We hope that you had a wonderful Christmas week. We're so glad that you're with us today. If you had a good day yesterday, let me hear you. You've got to praise real quick. Yes, man, we are absolutely celebrating Jesus. And John, I love how you said it because the celebration hasn't ended. We're going to continue to celebrate today. We didn't take any decorations down. We didn't change anything because we believe that we can still continue to celebrate Christmas, and we want to do that today. In fact, I think it's kind of sad that we only celebrate the coming of Jesus one time a year, one time, one month out of the year. Man, the coming of Christ should be something that we celebrate year-round, all the time, and I hope that you had a wonderful day celebrating Jesus with friends and family yesterday. I absolutely love Christmas. It's unquestionably one of my favorite times of the year. Christmas trees, Christmas lights, Christmas music, Christmas dinners, Christmas smells, Christmas shopping, and Christmas presents. Can I get an amen this morning? And I'm not talking about the gift of giving. No, although it's great, I'm talking about the gift of receiving. I know the right thing to say is it's better to give than to receive, but John, it's also really fun to receive. I saw a TikTok this week that was saying, you know you're old when you get excited about lame presents, and I thought I hit that this year. Care about me, the coolest backpack of all time, and I am so geeked about this backpack. So excited. I saw another guy that was excited about a gas card. You might be old if you get excited about a gas card. 50 bucks will give you a half a tank. That's awesome. Hey, on the count of three, yell out your favorite gift you got this year. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, I'm so sorry. None of you got a backpack like me. That's too bad. Man, I absolutely love getting gifts. I like giving them. I love getting them. And December 25th is when we celebrate Jesus' birthday. All of us are showing up to his party. And I've noticed that when it comes to parties, there are two times a year that we really receive presents. We receive presents on Christmas Day, like we did yesterday, or Christmas Eve. Or we celebrate presents on our birthday party. And so I want you to imagine me today. December 26th is your birthday. We have a celebration planned for you. We've set up decorations. We've invited all your family and friends. Afterwards, we're going to go down the hall. There's a big old Christmas banquet with tons of food. You look over in the corner. You see all kinds of presents, and you start getting excited because you love getting presents too. Don't lie. And you start getting excited about those presents, and it comes time to open them. But when it's time to open them, you realize none of them are addressed to you. No, we just bought each other presents. Like all the invitees bought each other presents, and you, even though it's your birthday, you can cry if you want to because you get no presents. None of them belong to you. And I think that's what we do a lot of times around December 25th. We show up to celebrate Jesus' birthday. We give each other gifts, but we forget to give the birthday boy his own gift. We forget to present a gift to God himself. Throughout this month, we've taken a look at a lot of different perspectives of Christmas. We did Christmas at the movies. We looked at Home Alone. We looked at Christmas through the eyes of that child called The Gift. We, we looked at Christmas through the nativity scene. And we looked at Luke 2 almost every single one of those days. But I want to take a look at a different perspective, a different passage. This passage is found all the way back in Matthew chapter 2, where we find a different perspective on Christmas. Check out verse 10. Where the Bible says this, when they, these three wise men, saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Going into the house, there they saw a child with Mary and his mother. They fell down and they worshipped him. Then, opening up their treasures, they offered him gifts. Three things, gold, frankincense, myrrh, 
Now they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, so they departed to their own country by another way. And that last part, Herod, we're going to talk about that next Christmas. Man, you want to talk about a long-term plug. Come back next year as we talk about Herod. The wise men have followed the star to the very place where Jesus was. They enter into the stable, the place where Jesus was. There they see Mary and the babe lying there, and they offer these gifts to the king. Three gifts with relevant purpose and a powerful name tag. Three gifts that I think are really applicable to us today. The first gift that we just saw given was the gift of gold. This was a gift that was meant for a king. Gold right now is worth $1,811.30 an ounce. One pound of gold is $28,980.80. And can you imagine showing up to my son's Briggs birthday party in April with a bar of gold? We invite you to. Humbly, we invite you to. Our son, that'd be great. But gold is not meant for a boy. It's not meant for a baby. No, this gift was not meant for a child. It was meant for a king. And these wise men understood that the person they were in presence of was not just another boy. It wasn't just another baby's birthday party. It wasn't just another kid's circus dream party. No, this was a party for a king. They understood that. They didn't cuddle him. They didn't hold him. They didn't coddle him. No, they fell down. They worshiped him as king. And then they offered him a gift that's only meant for a king, gold. And right now, you and I, I want you to know, we do not worship a mere child. We do not pray to baby Jesus. No, we pray to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We pray to the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. We worship the wonderful one, the counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. We worship Jesus and he is king today. And I want you to know that when it comes to Jesus, Jesus deserves only our best. He doesn't deserve seconds. He he doesn't deserve leftovers and scraps. No, this king is worthy of our wealth. He is worthy of the abundance. This king deserves our wealth. And I think wealth can be found in a lot of different ways in our world today. It's more than just a bar of gold, but wealth is found in money. And I want you to know today that our God is worthy of your money. He is worthy of your wallet. I wonder, are you willing to allow God to use your money to do God's work? Are you willing to encourage somebody by by buying them a meal or a thing to to continue the work of God? Over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about this thing in the back of the auditorium called Refocus. It's a strategic plan for us to move forward as a church. And can I just tell you how encouraged I've been as your pastor to see some of those things come in? To see some of you with great faith be willing to say, God, over the next year, I'm going to commit this to you. And that is a representation of your heart. Because where the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart's there too. Wherever your wealth is, that's where your heart is. And when we find these wise men coming before Jesus, they give him gold saying, God, you are worthy because you are king. Man, church, can I just encourage you, never lose that spirit. Never lose the spirit of saying, God, whatever's mine is yours. It is yours. Use it how you want to. Use it for your means. Use it for your kingdom. However you want to use it, you can use it. Me and Ted were talking last week, and he said, hey, Josh, do you think people know that when you're willing to tithe and give, it's not just money, it's also being able to give your time and your work? And he's right, because wealth does include our time. 
Every single person in this room is wealthy. Every single person in this room is wealthy. Now, maybe our bank accounts might look different, but every single one of us are wealthy because every single one of us are here. We're alive. We've been given the greatest wealth of all time, our own time. We've been given life and breath in our lungs, and how we use it should reflect how we feel about God. I wonder, are you using your time for God? Are you using your time and your talents for God's glory? Did you know the average American spends three years in business meetings? If you get on staff at Ashburn Baptist and you have to go to staff meetings on Monday, I promise you it's way more than that. (laughs) Did you know the average American spends 13 years watching TV? 13 years of our life watching TV. Did you know the average American spends 24 years of their life sleeping? How much time are you willing to give to God? We look at our days, the 24 hours that we're given, and all of a sudden we come down to the fragments that are left, and we say, God, here's what I have left. I have five minutes in the morning to worship you. Oh, God, I ran out of time today. I don't have time to talk to you. I don't have time to praise you. I don't have time to pray to you. No, our God is worthy of the wealth of our time. One of the things that's tragic in churches across the country is they say that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Now, our church is sitting right at about 100 people at our campus right now. A couple weeks ago, we did a party for people who volunteer, serve on a weekly basis, and there were like 40-something invitees, and that is awesome. That means that we're sitting at 40% of our church that's serving on a consistent basis. But honestly, I think it should be a lot higher. In fact, here at Ashburn, Chicago, I'd like to see that 80-20 rule, 20% of the people doing 80% of the work flipped, where it's almost like 80% of the people doing 80% of the work, where everybody's hands-on, because I believe that God has gifted every single one of us. God has given every single one of us gifts and talents and skills and abilities, and there should not be a job that's needed in this place because we have plenty of people to get the work done. The truth is, is our media team, man, they need volunteers. Up there right now, there's two people, and they need to have four on a Sunday. And there are some people in this room who are gifted in tech. And then you're sitting there right now, and that is awesome, but maybe it is God provoking your heart saying, hey, am I worthy of your time? Right now, we've got five nursery workers on rotation. That means that every two weeks, the same person is in nursery. And there are dozens and dozens of us sitting in chairs every single week who's God's given gifts and talents and skills and abilities with children. And God's saying, hey, am I worthy of your time? As we launch into this refocus campaign, we're going to be spending money to to be able to fix carpeting and ceilings and restrooms. And maybe God has given you gifts and abilities to to, to be able to do some renovation work. I wonder, is God worthy of your time? He's given you 24 hours in a day. How much are you giving back to him? I think wealth's found in money. That's obvious. I think it's found in time. I also think it's found in possessions. Because every single one of us have things. We have things. I wonder if there's something that we own. That we say, God, you can have my whole life, but not my new backpack. My new backpack's awesome. I wonder if God's worthy of every one of your possessions, every one of your things, every one of your family members. 
Here coming up in the new year, we're going to have something called Child Dedication Sunday, where as parents, we commit our parenting and our children to God. We get that from a story in the Old Testament where Hannah takes her son and she offers him to God and saying, God, take him, use him however you want to. And that's a principle that we believe in today too. But the question as a parent is tough sometimes. Is is God allowed to have my kid? What if God having Briggs means that one day God wants Briggs to be a missionary in a country where Christians aren't allowed to be alive? Are we willing to give up Briggs then? God is worth every single thing that we have. Every single person in our lives, he is worthy of it all. That's a gift labeled for a king. Not just any king, king of kings. And when the wise men come before this king, they offer him their gold because he is worthy of all of their wealth. The second gift that we find, I find very interesting. It's the gift of frankincense. These three kings, they come before Jesus and Mary and they offer him gold and then they offer him frankincense. As a kid, I always thought that word was weird because in my mind, I would picture Frankenstein. You did too. Don't lie. Frankincense comes from a tree. It's found in North Africa, in the Middle East, and it is extremely valuable. It was an incense that they would actually use to worship God. We know that because we find frankincense found in Exodus chapter 30. When Moses is burning incense, frankincense, as praise to God. And so when these wise men come into Jesus, they offer him gold because he's a king. And then they offer him frankincense because he's a God. He's God. This wasn't just baby Jesus, the king. This was baby Jesus, the God. And they understood that this God was worthy of every single bit of their adoration. This God was worthy of their worship. And I believe, too, that today our God, our Jesus, is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our worship. I I think there's a couple ways that we can worship Jesus. The first way is we we can praise him directly. We can praise him directly. Hey, when it's time to sing, don't just casually go through the song. Don't just sit there with your hands in your pockets, with your eyes mesmerized by the lyrics on the screen, listening to the music, hearing others sing, hearing Kara and Lauren sing, hearing an average drummer drum. No, worship God with everything you have. Growing up in a Baptist church like Karen and I did, I feel like one of the things that we've got going against us is that we don't really know how to worship. Because one of the ways that we've grown up is we've sat there with our hands in our pockets, unwilling to show any kind of emotion when we're praising and worshiping God. In fact, when you see somebody out of the corner of their eye lifting up their hands in worship, it's almost like we do this. No, the truth is that should be the normal. It should be the normal to see somebody in church getting excited about worshiping God. It should be the normal to see somebody getting pumped up about singing praises to their God. I mean, you hear the lyrics, right? And yet here we are sometimes singing, there's joy in the house, Lord, like this. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the, he's raising his hands, of the Lord today. We, we sing that second song, God of Miracles. Do you hear the, the lyrics of it? Conqueror of the grave. God of miracles come. We need your supernatural love to break through. Man, when you sing these songs, understand that we're not just monotonously going through lyrics and 
We don't just plug songs at the beginning of services because we feel like it and we got to fill a time. No, we sing because our God is worthy of our worship. And when it's time to worship, let's praise. Let's praise a God who is worthy of every bit of our adoration, fearless of what other people think, because our God is worth it. He's worth it. He's worthy. Hey, when you're praying, don't just pray casually. No, come before a God knowing that he is, he is willing and able to do anything and everything that you can ask above anything you can ask or think. Man, our God can answer any request. He can heal any cancer. He can heal any disease. He can pull off any miracle. This is God. So when you pray, don't just pray casually. When somebody asks you to, to pray for them, don't just say, yeah, I'll pray for you and then forget to do it. No, this is a God who is worthy of our prayer. Hey, when you're reading your Bible and you're spending time reading scriptures, don't just casually read it like another book. No, this is a love letter to you from God. Spend time drowning yourself in it. Hear from your king, hear from your God, and praise him like he's worth it. Praise him directly. But not only can we praise him directly, I think we can praise him indirectly. One of the best ways that we can bring praise to God is by bragging on him to other people. Man, when we're with our family, we're just talking about how good he is. When we get together at family functions, the whole time we're just saying, hey, you should have seen. A couple weeks ago, somebody got baptized. It was awesome. Their life has changed. Hey, when you spend time with your coworkers, you can tell them about how God's working in your heart. When you're talking to your neighbor who's mowing the lawn at the same time this summer, you can say, hey, have I ever told you about the time I met Jesus? Man, we should be considerably spending time praising him indirectly by how we communicate and how we talk and how we interact with others. Jesus actually said it like this. He said, by your love, they'll know that you're my disciples. By the way that you love each other, that's how people are going to know that I'm your God. And I know today that our God is worthy of our wealth and he is worthy of our worship. The first gift that we find, it was labeled for a king, it was gold. The second gift that we find, it was labeled for a God. It was frankincense. The third gift that we find is called myrrh. Myrrh was labeled for a savior. See, myrrh was used for embalming the dead. That's weird, right? They bring a baby who's just been born a gift that was meant for somebody who was about to die or had already died. I think the wise men understood that this just wasn't just a king. It wasn't just a God. No, this was a savior. A savior who could take away the sins of the world. A savior who wasn't just born. No, he was born to die to die for the sins of all mankind, gold, frankincense, myrrh, incredible gifts. That wasn't even the best present given on that day. No, the best present given to us on that day was God himself, his presence. Far more worthy than any gold, frankincense, or myrrh, any gift we could offer, this was Emmanuel, God with us. See, Jesus was born 100% God and 100% man so that he could be a perfect sacrifice for us. First John says it like this in chapter 4, here in his love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the payment 
our sins. Romans 5.8 says, but God gave us his love while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. You see, this God, this King, this Savior came to die for you and for me. This holiday that we're celebrating 2,000 years ago, Jesus, as God, came to the earth in a manger so that he could die on a cross and pay for the sins of all mankind. And when these three wise men come to baby Jesus, they knew that this wasn't just a king. It wasn't just God. No, he was Savior, Messiah, the one that they'd been waiting at the end of the verse, it says that they were told in a dream not to return home. When I told you earlier, we're going to talk about that next year, 12-month plug. But they go a different way to their homeland, and I'm willing to bet that these three guys, or these three people who gave these three gifts, I think they probably told everybody that they knew who they met. They met this king. Now you got to talk. I met this king. I met this God. I met this Savior. I met the Messiah. And when it comes to our own lives, I believe that the Savior who came to the world to save every man, woman, and child is worthy of, sure, our wealth and our worship, but he's also worthy of our witness. We should be telling anybody and everybody that we know about this Savior that we know of. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, anybody and everybody who believes in him won't perish in hell, but will spend eternity in heaven. Someone once said this, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, then God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us Savior. Our greatest need today is forgiveness, forgiveness from our sins, because without forgiveness, we are doomed to be separated from God forever in a place called hell. But God, who is rich in mercy with his great love, wherewith he loved us, has quickened us together. He's made us alive in Christ. If only we believe. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Today, if there's never been a moment in your life when you've asked Jesus to save you, placing your faith in what he's done on the cross and how he rose again from the dead, then I beg you today, let today be the day of your salvation. The Bible says life's a vapor. It appears for a moment and then it vanishes away. We don't know which day will be our last. Make that commitment today. Place your faith in him today. And today, if you are saved, you know that you're on your way to heaven. You know of this King, God, and Savior. This God is worthy of your wealth, your worship, and your witness. Tell anybody and everybody that you can about him. He is worthy of all of it. The greatest gift has already been given. It should provoke us to give all that we have to. He is worthy of everything. Thank you so much for joining us. If you have any prayer requests or questions about your spiritual life, we would love to pray for you. Or if you would just like more information about visiting us in person, please email us at chicago at ashburnbaptist.com or visit our website ashburnbaptist.com slash chicago.